previously on Storyological. <laughs> I'll just say the first thing in my head, which is... <laughs> yes, I think it was this week that I told you I wished that as a child I had had a toy that did not say the cow goes moo, but would say something like the cow in Thailand goes and then tell me what people say in Thailand that is the mm -hmm. sound of the cow. I, like I would that. learn about animals and the world. I like that. You could have it across time and history as well as across space. <laughs> so you could be like, in yes. Roman times, cow said, That's true. Amoeus, Amoeus. Yeah. yeah. And in the spirit of sorry to bother you, <laughs> you could have, and the white people in 1942 <laughs> were, and then they could list all of the races that were considered white. And yeah. across time, you would hear, get a different selection. Yeah. 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 Show chart. Races mm. included in white. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there should be a Cards Against Humanity, uh, sorry to bother you, edition. Maybe. That seems in the spirit of the film. Merchandising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I feel it would be in the spirit of the film. There's something, I guess, Warhol-esque about it in that from the film's point of view, it will make all the money that you want to give it for being what it is. It doesn't care. Yeah. Well, it cares a great deal, but it doesn't think it's a bad thing. But that that means that it makes you question, what does it care about? If it doesn't mind profiting from the system, what is it about? Mm. I think from a Warhol perspective, it might be, it's just about, it's just about doing the business, making the art. <laughs> about doing the do. Yeah, you do the do. That's Throw, what throwing the, the goo. <laughs> <laughs> the real message of sorry to bother you <laughs> is just, you do you. <laughs> That's what it is. You do you. Army Hammer, you do you. Oh, he... Lake of Stanfield, you do you. Yeah. They're all amazing. I can't wait to see it again. This is Storylogical, a podcast about amazing stories. That we kind of like. I'm Chris Camerud. And I'm E.G. Kosh. What was your favorite non-storylogical story, film, or TV show, or book that you encountered this year? Or a magazine article. I mean, you know, it's, it's a wide spectrum of possibilities. Overwhelming, really. Well, I've definitely got a horrible recency bias on this, but... I loved Hank Green's book, uh, An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. Mm. Uh, that it was just the kind of sweet, um, sweet, thoughtful, uh, engaged with the current world of social media kind of book that you would expect an aging YouTube star to write. <laughs> aging? I mean, yeah, come on. He's as old as us and YouTube is for kids, right? I mean, it used to be. It used to yeah. be for the kids. Right, but they're all aging out now. What are the kids doing now? Who can say? Telekinesis, it's the new rage. Acid. What? <laughs> They're going back to acid. That's what I mean. Have you seen Mandy? Everything that was the 70s is oh now. My Lord. It's new again. I definitely never need to see that movie again. <laughs> I've probably I, only seen about 25% of it because oh, I yeah. hid behind my jumper. I mean, I enjoyed writing a review of it. it. My review of Mandy begins with me recounting a scene from the television series Angel, where Angel must sing the Barry Manilow song, Mandy, in order to have his future foretold by a demon who can only read people's future when they sing karaoke. I thought that was the right way to begin my Mandy review. Yeah, they they, they both seem, seem appropriately spurious. Yeah, exactly. That was, you got it. That was the point. I was like, if you're asking yourself why I started my review this way or why a vampire with a soul would need to sing, I mean, you've, this movie is not for you. <laughs> exactly. It's not for you. If logic, inherent logic is what you require of your storytelling... Exactly. My favorite part Pass is on by. evil person wants to kidnap a woman living with one other man in the middle of nowhere. And his decision to kidnap her is I will summon a horde of demonic bikers. <laughs> just, just get a quad, gun. Quad bikers. 
Yes. I mean, yeah, because they don't have balance. They've no. got too many nails. Their That's center a, of gravity. I think they're probably quite top heavy. Yeah. With yeah. all of that facial makeup. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think of them as benailed. That is what they are. They are benailed, benailed and brawny bunch. Yeah. I'm flipping around because I'm pretty sure in this journal I have written down the number 2018 and just wrote down everything I remember from the year. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Oh, here it is. Go on. List us. List us in. Oh, list us. Okay. This is what I've written under 2018 in my journal from the entry for the 8th of December, 2018. I have, of course, written the number eight and then written out in words, 2018. I don't know why. Uh, Japanese breakfast gig. That was a, a fun, non logical thing. I went to see Japanese breakfast. Uh, she was wonderful. She hopped around on stage, leaping from monitor to monitor with her glowing shoes. Uh, and one time she sat down in front of me and sang to me, and then I... I died. Passed out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I passed out bravely. I bravely <laughs> passed out. <laughs> uh... Yep. Uh, I, I read a lot of Clarice Lyspector this year. Uh, the short story that you picked, which I loved a lot, uh, report on report on the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also her novels, which are right there next to you that I don't remember the names of. The Passion According to G.H., I think yeah. is one of them. And, and Near the to Heart the Wild is a, Heart. Near to the Wild Heart. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, oh, yeah. Both of those are wonderful. I also read some more Elizabeth Bowen this year. <laughs> Doesn't seem like she would hit my sweet spot. A World War II era, somewhat melodramatic, not quite noir writer, but like Clarice Lyspector, she writes Near to the Wild Heart. And I love it. One of the things I discovered this year is something that almost everybody else in the whole world listens to or knows about except me, which is Mark Maron's podcast and his interviews with celebrities of all stripes. And I have found his frankness in discussing his own um, mental health issues and digging into the issues that his guests face to be incredibly clarifying in the problems that I have like there always seems to be in any interview like one or two little things that pop out and just be like you're like oh yeah absolutely like his interview with Jason Reitman and Jason was talking about how the best advice his dad ever gave him was the night before he made his first started filming his first movie and and Ivan Reitman was like look you won't know on the spot how to make it more funny or make it more dramatic or make it more anything except true you should always just try and aim towards true and everything else will fall into place and i i love that story and it came to me in a moment where i was struggling to think about something that i was making and it helped me lean into it helped me lean in towards truth which unlocked that for me and it feels like every time there's something like that like uh I listened to an interview with Fred Armisen the other day. Heck of a guy. Heck of a guy. Heck, heck of a drummer. Heck he has of a, heck of a drummer. drummer. Yeah. It does a great impression of a decomposing fox. <laughs> but he was talking about how he he is always intoxicated with his new relationships, with the women he gets involved with, with the idea of who they are rather than the reality of who they are and how he dives into relationships and marriages imagining that the person is one way and then when he realizes that he has to reckon with who they actually are he bows out he he runs away he uh is uh, you know has affairs he 
becomes angry. And I was listening to that at a moment where we had had a huge fight and it just helped clarify for me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's not what I want. I actually want to reckon with this shit. And to have somebody, you know, even to have the clarity of somebody describing a particular behavior, even if it's the opposite of exactly what you feel and want, can be also incredibly clarifying. Yes, yeah, it's the old Camus thing. Old Camus. Uh, that said that the, the things that bond people aren't so much the answers as the questions. Also, reckoning with reality. That's hard. Uh, I was looking at the stories I picked this year, and one thing I continue to find incalculable comfort in stories. For all kinds of reasons, which you'll just have to go back and listen to every episode of the podcast and piece together for yourself. <laughs> what I saw when I looked at those stories this year is it seems like the kind of stories that I needed or that I focused on more than others uh, were about uncertainty. Whether that was the triumph of uncertainty or at least the hopeful triumph of uncertainty we talked about in Mixed Race Superman by Will Harris or maybe the bottomless sorrow of Ginny Zong's The Empty, The Empty, The Empty, which reckons with a whole sense of, of unknowing um, coming to grips with knowing, I guess maybe is a better way to put it. Uh, the, there was a story that you picked, Banana Yoshimoto's A Strange Tale from Down by the River, which is a kind of uncertain reckoning with an uncertain past. I mean, maybe it's just me, or maybe it's the world, but it feels like all around us there is a sense of, of reckoning with reality that often feels like it leaves people wondering what is real. It leaves people making movies like Sorry to Bother You or making TV shows like Atlanta that feel like the way they reflect what's real is to push so far into absurdity that you think, yes, yes, that's about right. That's mm. about right. Uh, which makes me think of Philip Roth many years ago lamented. This was before he died, of course. He has not yet spoken from beyond the pale. Uh, lamented that reality was outstripping the pace of fiction. He meant books. God bless him. I don't know if he, I don't know if he really had any relationship of, with God or why God would bless him, but it's a phrase. I don't know if he watched movies, but it feels like with something like Sorry to Bother You, whatever you think about it, and even though it was written several years ago, it feels like reality is there and maybe it outpaced art. And you can start to feel with that, with Janelle Monet's album, you feel like art starting to be like, no, 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 no. Don't you get away from a reality. I'm coming. I am coming <laughs> for your reality. Yeah, Janelle Monet's album. Oh, my God. Sitting down and watching the film that went with that and seeing the video that went with Pink for the first time as all those ladies flapped their labia legs around to that incredible beat. I was like, oh, it made me so happy in my little heart space. And also connected to Sorry to Bother You. Yes, of course, with Tessa. Yeah. Delicious Tessa. Um, the, I think the favorite, my favorite things that we did this year with Storyological were definitely the crossover episodes were, that we did with Electric Literature and Strange Horizons. Both because it's really exciting to connect with other people who also want to put stories out in the world. And because they are spaces that can publish the stories that we talk about. So instead of just hoping that people manage to find a copy of this obscure text, 
that's been out of print for 10 years where you can be like hey hey go to this link go read it enjoy it and and feel like feel so thrilled at the idea of of allowing people to read these stories that we love so much you know we called our first season finale the world is our slush pile because we're in this wonderful position where we can look out over all of time and space and pick the stories we want to talk about like we are well as everyone is in their own lives they are their uber editor they get to decide what to spend their time on Mm. i love functioning as like um rogue guest editors i guess that's a (laughs) yeah redundant term like guest editors we get to partner with a magazine and for for a period of time we get to be the editor we get to pick the story Mm -hmm. and we get to share it and in a way it's it's in large part a spirit that gave birth to story logical the desire to say this is an amazing story you should read it let me tell you why yeah. that let me tell you why is something so fundamental to our communication with each other and i think with ourselves as well that kind of taking the time to unpick what's inside of a story helps us unpick those stories and pick the confusion inside ourselves and also find a common language when we're struggling to listen to each other or to be generous to each other or to connect in other parts of our lives when we talk about stories we have this language and space to step into together to discover together that makes it that makes it constantly exciting and not always easy sometimes we disagree on what's inside the story what it means to us or the way that we talk about it but it always it always opens us up and that is i think the fight the hardest fight i have in my own particular mental makeup is to remind myself every day or every week to not just close up like that I feel like that's what I I learned was a safe way to live as a child that that's how you get through life without being hurt and that's not you know a, a good while ago I made a decision that I didn't want to live like that but it is a hard decision for me to make every day or in every interaction and stories help me do that. Yeah. The old ice pick to the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> do you know the ice pick to the forehead? Is that Sharon Stone? Oh. <laughs> That's the only ice, a, pick, um, ice pick reference I know. It's a uh, almost certainly misquote of something that is attributed to Franz Kafka. Kafka? Franz Kafka. Kafta is, I believe, in a, a type of dish served in many Indian restaurants, which mm-hmm. I love saying it that way, because is it a traditional thing that we get in India? I don't know. I'm just telling you my truth. Mm-hmm. Something along the lines of uh, an ice axe or something, that a, that a good story should take an axe to the frozen landscape of your mind and crack it open. Oh, yeah. He knew, he knew what he was about, that dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's what's called sane. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is why I love doing interviews with the writers that we talked to. This year, we put out three interviews with Yukimi Agawa and Sophia Samatar and Alyssa Wong, taking an hour and a half or two hours, or in the case of Yukimi, exchanging letters back and forth across weeks, talking about stories, learning 
from them their language of understanding stories, and then inside of that language, talking to them, having a conversation about not just how stories work in them, but work for them. Yeah, and though though I loved all of those interviews that you did this year, they, as always, they're they're tender and beautiful and touching and unpack something about those writers and how they work and think that is useful to me as a person and as a writer. Yeah, I mean, I guess, right? I mean, deep down, you hope to make a, a podcast or a thing that somehow helps people understand the thing and also helps them learn how to live. That's really what we want. We want to teach you how to live. While we figure it out ourselves. I mean, what other way is there? None of us get perspective on this. The only time we get perspective is when we're dead. Shall I give you the Shall I give you the weather report for the year? Uh, yes. Uh, I heard you say something about the weather. We we can certainly go to you for the the weather forecast about the past. That's yeah. what we like to say. In the 2018 this... weather report. Yeah. So this year we put out 12 story episodes, discussed 23 short stories, and and three interviews. That's quite a lot less than we did last year. Last year we did 19 story episodes, discussed the eight stories, and put out five interviews. And I think that speaks to what a difficult year it's been in many ways for us, both as a partnership and uh, with my family. And also, certainly for me, I don't know about you, but I really struggled with how I spend my time and what I do and the kind of fight between work that will earn money and work that will satisfy and extend my my creative sense of self my you know my desire to create things to put in the world and I think at times although I have although as I discussed that I, I love doing this podcast it can seem like another another chunk of time and energy that it takes up and takes away from from doing my own creative work and what I have enjoyed is that because we control it we don't have any deadlines we just decide we can say okay we're going to take a few weeks off there and that allows us to come back to it when we're fresh and we're ready and we've got the energy so we don't end up presenting it and feeling like, ugh, I have to do this thing. Yeah, our old people, they, they've had a tough time and you need to make space for them. And it is difficult to make space for other people without losing a sense of your own space. And this year, at the beginning, I was seized by an understanding of how to put some of my stories together into a collection and pitch them to agents and it is true that we each found ourselves using our time differently. Never not wanting to do story logical, but being entirely comfortable with choosing to do it however we want to do it. Uh, and it's lucky that there are people who are happy to support us on Patreon to do that and enjoy listening to what we make because they maybe want that they want people to make things that are full of purpose mm. that are not full of a obligation. desire hmm? obligation yeah yeah they're not full of obligation kind of like how i feel about this season of mrs mazel the marvelous mrs mazel okay i'm excited to see where this paragraph is. <laughs> yeah that's my topic yeah. sentence okay 
uh, under the headline is, yeah. I feel like we're, what, two, three, four episodes in. Definitely one of those numbers. That they're holding back on her comedy storyline. That that I feel like they've got an arc in mind for where her comedy is going to get to. And they're eking it out in these little drops in order to have it go across a specific number of episodes that they're committed to. And it in some ways makes it feel thin to me or frustrating. And that's what I never want our our work to feel like. Uh, another thing that inside of Patreon, I was writing the newsletter that I do, Chris Reviews Everything, and it was exciting to me. I, I love discussing stories with you on Storylogical, but there is a great freedom and just every morning before I start writing, spending half an hour or 45 minutes putting together my thoughts on whatever I encountered the day before. I love separating those things. I love having time to deconstruct art, much like I love having time to deconstruct people. And then I love having time synthesizing art and synthesizing people. And then there's a whole third option. It's, where like, I... it's like you're carving your own toys to play a game with. Right. And that helps me when I, when I play with other people's toys to interact with them. Like there is the third time I have to meet the art. I meet the people and I mm. want to reckon with it. Like the separating it hopefully helps me do the thing that Fred Armisen has trouble with. It helps me begin to experience something, then think about my feelings about it in terms of what I saw, then experience the next thing, having a better sense of where I'm coming from. So maybe I have a better sense of understanding it mm. or them. Mm. Other parts of the weather. Yep. We discussed stories that were published between 1920 and 2018, and 40% of them were from the last two or three years, which I think is down. I think when we started out, I certainly had much more focus on really wanting to look at stuff that was coming out in the here and now. And as time has gone on, and certainly, I know I talked at the beginning of the season with the Clarice Lispector story about really feeling like my taste had expanded and my desire to be challenged by stories had expanded. That has also made me more excited to go back and dig into the past and see see what has created some of these concepts and ideas that the stories been coming out today are, are based on. The, and I think that's led to, that maybe is part of what's led to the other thing that's different this season, which is... Ooh, difference. That's, yeah. what, that's what the kids like. Change. They want change. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in their stories, in life, no. God, no. Everything the same all the time. Um, two thirds of the stories that we picked were from books and one third from magazines. And that has really flipped on its head from mm. where we started out, which was more like yeah. 10 or 20% were from books. Yeah. That's a trend. Look for it in the future. Books. <laughs> yeah. Making books, another we comeback. Them. We love them. Yeah. They're, they're better than Jesus. Jesus only came back from the dead once. Yeah. Yeah. Really a slacker. We picked our first, um, deliberate nonfiction <laughs> piece we of course last year had an accidental non-fiction piece where i picked uh, the boy who never cried for me by julia delgado in midnight yeah. breakfast yeah i mean like you say like using story language as a way to understand yourself as a way for us to communicate for me is just a way to interact with existence in a way that functions yeah mixed race superman by will harris it it was a story that unlocked something for me and I enjoy bringing it into the podcast inside of this context because we, we call it story logical. We talk about short stories, but the, the language of understanding stories, the language of thinking about stories is not, not really limited to things that are 
8 to 25 pages long that feature first person, second person, third person perspective. Yeah. Um, stories are pretty old. Stories predate most of the current science fiction, fantasy, and literary uh, markets. I don't know if most you knew. Most all. Most all. I mean, you know, <laughs> churches are pretty old. That's a market for stories. I mean, you can't beat a church for a market. If you can get your story into a church, like, that's making like L. it. Like Hubbard. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> he he cracked that market. Bam. He really did. He, he found the most lucrative pro-market sale. Yeah. Oh, did I tell you the depressing true thing I read in The World According to Garp? No. One of the ways a book can be successful is to be seen as news. Mm. For example, our first episode, we discussed Cat Person. A story that I dearly love talking about because as a story, I loved it. And I loved mm -hmm. also to be able to talk about how it was ripped. It wasn't ripped. How it was, how it was cajoled out of its context as a story to be discussed in the format of news as content, a way to discuss the reality of the world yeah. through, the, through the almost in quotes uh, piece, like this piece that someone wrote. Yeah. Yeah, this documentary that somebody wrote about the failures of two people to have a relationship or communicate at all. Thanks for listening, readers. We will be back over the holidays with a couple of Christmas movie discussions, as always. Yeah, in Bruges. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, we've really picked movies that get us away from loss and grief and death. We've gone <laughs> for the happiest of tales. Uh, have a good end of the year however it is you choose to spend it which may include not at all celebrating the end of the year at this period of time yeah fair enough um we will see you sometime in 2019 here's to uncertainty and living through it together good luck out there kids see you next time